0: Because in some countries, what you see, it's not a lack of money. In some countries, it's a lack of capacity, human capacity to do the things. And then we need to to start the, the solutions from the other way, to have capacity building for these people.
1: Welcome back to the Fifth Wave Podcast. I'm Jeffrey Young, Editor-in-Chief of Fifth Wave. In today's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Venusia Nogueira, Executive Director of the International Coffee Organization, otherwise known as the ICO. Established in 1963, the ICO was set up to regulate the global coffee market, promote international cooperation, and administer the International Coffee Agreement. Today, the ICO is a vital platform for education and consultation, fostering long-term sustainable production and increasing consumption of quality coffee. In this wonderful conversation, Venusia discusses the new regulations and initiatives aimed at equipping producers with the solutions and tools to tackle coffee production's most pressing challenges. She also highlights the importance of establishing funding mechanisms for producers and the necessity of attracting young entrepreneurs back and into specialty coffee at origin. Welcome, Alicia.
0: It's a pleasure for me to be here with you today and to have this chat with you.
1: Great. Before we talk about the ICO, I'd, I'd love for you to give us a little bit of background about yourself and how you came to work in the
0: coffee industry. I can say to you that I almost was born in a coffee plantation. I'm part of the fifth generation of a coffee-producing family in Brazil, in Minas Gerais, and my grandfathers uh, used to be coffee growers. My father used to work with coffee. Uh, all my cousins uh, are working with coffee, and these were the environments that I grew up. And then, when I was teenager, I had the same kind of cases that we are facing in our days, unfortunately. That was. I thought that to be in coffee would would not be a thing that I would like for my life. I'd like to do another thing different, uh, something that could be more exciting, uh, more challenging for me. And at that moment, I thought that coffee was something very boring. And then I decided to leave from there. I stayed for around 20 20 years, more or less, out of my town. And at that moment, I lived in Rio de Janeiro. I took my degrees, my my master and so on. And I I had the opportunity to live many years out of Brazil.
2: Mm.
0: I had the opportunity to live uh, in the U.S. for two times, in Colombia, Chile and Argentina because I was a partner of Price Hotels Cooper's. I used Uh, to work with consultants, uh, consultancies in auditing, reports and things like that. Oh, how boring. Yes. But it was a a lot of uh, things that we could do in the terms of I, I could know and I could get in touch with many different people, many different cultures and many different sectors as well. Yeah. 20 years ago, I decided to come back to my town to do a sabbatical. Yeah. And then the people from Coffee invited me to, to start to work with them. This was 2002 when we had one of the most serious prices crisis, crisis in, in the sector that it was in 2002. They were selling uh, Arabica Coffee for 25, 28 cents yeah. per pound at that moment. And so the exporters, they asked me to find some niche markets for the the Brazilian coffee. My expertise was uh, in marketing. And then they asked me to to look for that. And this was the way that I started to see coffee professionally.
2: Uh
0: And doing that, I worked for many years in Brazil. I was the major representative for the Brazilian coffee promotion. For many years and uh, three years ago, uh, the Brazilian government and the private sector, the Brazilian private sector, uh, invited me to to do the application for this position here in London and to come to London and to be the E D of the ICO.
1: Now, I wonder if you give us an overview of the ICO, its mission, its role and what it does today. What's your day to day job like as well?
0: The International Coffee Organization was founded uh, 61 years ago. Uh, to tackle the balance of demand and supply in coffee. At that moment, many countries, it's an intergovernmental organization and many of these countries, the governments of these countries, met in New York, in the United Nations uh, headquarters to to make a kind of a international agreement to to regulate the coffee market. And then uh, the ICO was founded to be the major operator of this International Coffee Agreement, what we called for, the, uh, for many years as the quota system. This system uh, was in place for almost 30 years until the end of the, na- nine, uh, the 80s and beginning of the, the 90s. Uh, and then these countries decided together again to go to the free market for coffee. Uh, then ICO needed to to change a little bit their uh, goals and their mission. And. Uh, Always uh, thinking about sustainability since the first uh, international coffee agreement from uh, uh, '62, uh, but then to looking for uh, from the '90s uh, is starting to look m- more for the sustainability points of value. The, okay. the, the income for for producers, uh, environmental sustainability, and social sustainability, and we are still on that. We are looking for projects and we are taking care of the producers in all the, the countries that are member. We have now almost 80 countries as members. If we count all the countries from the European Union, because we have the producing side and also the consuming side yep. together with us. And the idea is that the consumer, uh, consuming countries will support, will help the producing countries to uh, tackle their challenge, their major challenge. And this is the major uh, goal and mission that we have as ICO.
1: What are the challenges that um, producers are facing today in coffee?
0: I can say to you that the first one it's, uh, that we are already talking and addressing for a while It's climate change. Uh, that some years ago, we didn't believe that this w- would come so fast and it's here. It's uh, and we need to, to face these. There are a lot of problems with the weather, the variance of the the temperatures that w- we have and the also the lack of water in many cases and the excess of water in other countries as Colombia had until last year. And this can um, bring together uh, many new diseases and pests. Yeah. And then it's not only a matter of the productivity and the way that you need to manage, but also new diseases and pests that we didn't have in the past. And now we need to manage that in the, in the field. These are one um, big problem and one big challenge that we we have. And uh, we are uh, tackle that. The other point uh, I can say to you that it's the the prices and not exactly the prices, but the the margin for the, the 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 producers, what they have as their income, their net income. This is not attractive for the producers in many countries. And with this kind of challenge, we bring together the issue about the youth, the younger youth, people. Yeah. Yes. Younger people don't want to be. In, in the coffee, in the coffee plantations anymore. They think that it's too hard, too boring yeah. and less money. They say to me that they prefer to be uh, an influencer, an yeah. internet influencer, a uh, YouTuber or things yeah. like these, uh, TikTokers, yeah. <laughs> and that they can have much more revenue from the, the, the sponsorships and things like these than to be in a very hard work uh, yeah. in the field. Yeah. And this is the second point that we have. And right now, uh, since yes, uh, since last year, we are facing also the issues and the challenges related to the new regulations. Oh. Uh, and the top one on this it's the UDr the European Union deforestation free regulation that uh, there are many concerns about that and many doubts about uh, the the way that you could apply for for this uh, regulation and but not this is not the only one here in the UK we have some uh, in the in China in Vietnam now us are coming uh, with some different Different uh, structures and um, kind of roles for for commodities as well. We need to to tackle these and to to try to to support our producers and the, the governments from these uh, producing countries to to have uh, better solutions and better tools yeah. to to tackle with these these issues.
1: So getting to the nuts and bolts, I can see. Why we need the ICO and what what you know what the key challenges are. So you've got eighty me- member countries, right? Yeah, are, are there also corporate members or is, or is only country members? Is that is that how it works?
0: Until now, uh, we are running under the international uh, coffee agreement that was signed and approved in two thousand and seven, and until now we have just the governments as uh, as members, yeah. but. Almost two years ago, we approved in the council a new coffee agreement that we will allow the private sector and also the NGOs the civil societies to be together as members of the ICO it's the first international international organization for commodity that will accept the the private sector together but uh we have a long way from us that coming from and uh, that come from the private sector it's a little bit long way to put this in place right. uh because when uh, international agreement, it's an international treat that yep. needs to be followed many different laws in yep. each of the country members. And we are on that right now. Okay,
1: so very complicated. Yes. And perhaps the, the private companies will have their own agendas from what the, maybe what the, the countries want.
0: Yes, and in, in reality, I can say to you that we are working in fact, we are already working together. Since the, before the pandemic, Uh, because we started what we called the coffee uh, Public and Private Task Force that we have uh, together already, the private sector, the civil society, and the governments working together to tackle these problems that we talked before. Uh, And why that? Because we know that uh, mainly if you were talking about one sector, that it's a free market sector. Yeah. Uh, we need to be all together. Nobody will fix all the talents that we have, we will have solutions and can be can fund all the solutions alone. Yeah. There will be part of the solutions that will be uh, public responsibility friendly the governments. But there are others that are um, solutions and activities that we need to have the private sector together. Yeah. And the civil society can facilitate this process and can help us very strongly on that.
1: Yeah. And so do, do members pay according to the scale of the, you know, I, I would imagine Brazil being one of the most influential countries for coffee, so it would have a big voice. How does the organization allow everyone to have voices? Uh Or is it sort of like basically the the bigger countries that have more influence, so therefore they necessarily need to shape the agenda?
0: In reality, what do you have there? It's something that it's very interesting. Mm. We have what we call the administrative budget, that it's a budget only for cover the premises and the payroll, and my travels uh, yeah. to the world for, for these events and things like this. Uh, these budgets are uh, divided accordingly to the volume of the, the coffee that each country exports or imports. And uh, on this, you have the, the level, the distribution of uh, contributions, as they say, and also the distribution of votes. So today, the major contributors that we have, it's Brazil from one side as the biggest uh, exporter, coffee exporter in the world, and uh, European Union. On the other so side, uh, yes, uh, uh, European Union you know, it's yep. the, it's uh, bigger than uh, than America. But there is one article in the agreement that they decided to keep in this new uh, agreement that they, uh, that says that all the decisions they will try to do by consensus. Then, seeing that, no matter. Which level of contribution you have, which number of votes you have formally, you need to convince your colleagues and the other country members because we need to go to the consensus. And in some moments, we have many countries on one side, but while we don't have everyone agreeing yeah. on that, yeah. we are still discussing. And then I think in some moments, uh, some people mainly from the, the private sector can say uh, we need to to be more pragmatic and maybe this takes so, so long to have some kind of uh, decisions. But from the other side, when we have the decision, it's a decision that everybody it's uh, together and it's agreeing. Uh, there is an agreement for that and then we go forward and we don't need to, to discuss the same point again uh, in the future. This is the way that they do
1: so you meet once a year? Is that in London?
0: Before the pandemic, it used to be two, twice a year. Uh, after the pandemic, we decided to, to stay with one of these meetings virtually, and then we will have an in-person, uh, an in-person meeting. During these last two years, we went to some producing countries. We went into, in 22, we went to Colombia. Last year, we went to India. And the decision in India was that this year we will be in London.
1: What other decisions do you take in your sort of meetings that that influence the world of coffee?
0: The other kind of decisions that they can have, it's uh, which kind of uh, project and which kind of uh, priority for projects we will have for the next year. And then for that, we will call what we called a volunteer contributions for that. And then usually they ask, uh, they say, for example, that uh, last year they decided that the top priority for this year is deregulation. Okay. Uh, we already agreed about some budget that uh, some countries and some private, uh, including the private sector, could contribute on that uh, to to run this kind of priority that they define and how to do it. And this is something that we we decided together, all together. Uh, the other point it's exactly the, the changing of the agreement to accept the private sector as members yeah. and the roles that we have when we have the private sector together uh, with us. Other point is a kind, for example, since, since the beginning, we are talking about the balance between uh, supply and demand. Yeah. Always we have a topic about promotion. How to promote coffee, where we, we need to go and which kind of promotion it's good to, to do for coffee. And, for example, we are running right now in partnership with the African government, mainly local promotion for consumption, for coffee consumption. Yeah. And, and this is working quite well. Yeah. Involving the universities, the young people there, um, because we are attracting new consumers, yeah. and also we are giving another kind of income to the producers, for the producers and their sons and daughters, to uh, to teach them how how to be a barista, how to roast a coffee, in some cases how to be a a coffee shop owner. Why not? In groups in many of these countries. And this is something that it's working quite well. And the the better examples that we have are in Africa.
1: Oh, wow. So that sounds fantastic.
0: It's very interesting. Yes.
1: So are you able to use some of those funds? Are they the sort of voluntary
0: contributions? Yes. We look for other contributors When we need more money than we have uh, voluntarily, then we go to development agencies, development banks, uh, also foundations. And we are right now, uh, this was one of the discussions in in Bangalore, in India last year. We are right now trying to build a kind of mechanism for funding uh, in a more structured way, the sector with grants and also with loans. Because there is one point that it's very important to, to emphasize. In many of these countries, the, the money, even though they would like to, to have any kind of uh, financing uh, investment for investment, the money, it's uh, not available. Or when the money is available, it's very expensive to get this money. Right. The interest rates are very, very high because the the formal structure of uh the the finance uh, of yeah. the finance sector it's a structure that considered ma- main of these countries is a very high risk yeah, very country risky, yeah. mm-hmm. and then we are trying to to fix some mechanisms that someone can do a kind of a guarantee for these uh, finances that we can uh, we can offer to the to these people. And then we don't need to, to look for or to have only grant. And uh, there are many people, mainly the young people. This is very interesting. They are saying to me, Vanusia, we don't want money for free. We, we would like to have money. It's someone that trusts us and yeah. can invest with us and can uh, give to us some money that we can give them back. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think uh, this is very important to to realize and to support these people.
1: Yeah, great. So this is obviously a a new era emerging now for the ICO.
0: Yes, yes. And since I come from the field and I know this sector quite well and I like so much to be in the field and to to get in touch with all of these people, we are going more and more in this process of implementations. The the project will not be only reports, but also the implementations. Of course, we don't have uh, people. Uh, Our team is very small. We are in 15 uh, people in our staff. We cannot go to the implementation country by country, but we can be a kind of coach or liaisers for uh, many different projects in in the world. And since I I arrived here in London, I'm traveling a lot because I really would like to to support these people and help them with my knowledge. Um, to manage the the better way as possible, the funding that they have, the resources that they have from the money and also the people. Uh, Because in some countries, what you see, it's not a lack of money. In some countries, it's a lack of capacity, human capacity to do the things. And then we need to to start the the solutions from the other way to have capacity building for these people.
1: What would you say as a sort of a final question here, is the project that you really would love to get off the ground here uh, in your role at the ICO, what would you like to achieve?
0: I think one of the topics is exactly this uh, mechanism to put in place this mechanism of uh, funding for everybody. I think this is uh, one, uh, one point that for me, it's crucial for the majority of the producing countries. And the other point that I would like to, to have, it's the sharing of uh, experiences and benchmarks worldwide. Everybody, all the countries have things to teach and have things to learn. All of them without any exception. But they need to be open for that. And in many cases, they they see each other as competitors and they are not totally open for that. And I really uh, believe that there are many pre-competitive actions that we can do all together in order to have uh, these uh, producers in a better condition. Yeah. The other point that I can say to you, it's, for example, in Asia, you have many countries that use it to be not big, but a good uh, coffee producing countries. And they changed their uh, strategy to be uh, good industries for coffee, like we have uh, Indonesia, Philippines uh now they they are adding value and they are becoming very good uh, very good and big uh, importers <laughs> for coffee and uh then they can focus their producers in uh in something different in in these niche markets for for specialties and things like this but they are adding value and they are buying coffees from many other countries and they they can improve and increase the level of income of all the the value chains in that countries, uh, this is uh, Ethiopia, uh, like Brazil. It's a country that uh, already used to consume a lot of coffee. Ethiopia, in our days, they are consuming internally fifty percent of the, the coffee production that they have. Uh, it's uh, proportionally it's more than Brazil because Brazil it's around thirty um, percent more or less. There. But the other countries they used to have coffee only for selling, for exporting. They, yeah. There are many of these countries that the producer never took a, cu- a cup of coffee before yeah. we started this process. And I think uh, we have many other countries that are in the same way and we, uh, with the same kind of mindset. And we need to change this uh, because the, the, the market here in, uh, in Europe in general and uh, in US, Japan are quite stable. And uh, since we would like to continue to look for a more income for these producers and looking for uh, higher productivity for them, we need to have more people t- uh, drinking coffee. Yeah. And we need to find these ways. We have China now. Finally, China is increasing and yeah. definitely is increasing the, the consumption. But we cannot put all the the eggs in in just this basket. We need to to have other countries. And uh, for many years, uh, I saw always looking for the increase of the consumption internally in the coffee producing countries.
1: On an optimistic note, I know there are a lot of challenges in the industry, but it sounds like there's a lot of opportunity as well.
0: Yes, yes, a lot of opportunities. And I really believe in these opportunities that we can still talking about coffee as today and uh, taking a cup of coffee and for many years, many decades and improving the style of life of these producers.
1: Alicia, thanks so much for joining us here today on Fifth Wave. Thank you. And that's all for this week's Fifth Wave podcast. If you've enjoyed the show, please subscribe and share the link with a friend or colleague. Also, if you're on Apple or Spotify, we'd really love a five-star review to help us increase our reach across the industry. To stay informed, visit worldcoffeeportal.com to get access to all the latest global coffee news, including the weekly coffee dose, collecting all the big coffee news stories. Links are in the show notes. This episode was produced in the one and only Serendipity Studios in glorious Camden, North London. It was produced by myself, Jeffrey Young, Hannah Heath, and sound engineering by Chris Bristow. And this week's song, in collaboration with the Coffee Music Project, is a very positive song called Pro Noia by New York based artist Carly Pearl. Until next time, stay safe, stay passionate, and stay caffeinated. And Ooh.
2: Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. What if I lost my job to write this track and lost my grip? It's for my own protection. Yeah. Mm. Oh. Yeah. You ever heard the word pronoia? It's the opposite of paranoia, pronoia. The belief that the world conspires in your favor, honey, it's a game changer. breaking down it's a dip before I hit the higher ground so I tell myself is meant to